and we're live. Good morning. My name is Ivanka and this is Christine Green from Numbers Australia and welcome to the Thursday morning live streaming by the Art of Service. Thanks for coming, Chris. Good morning, Ivanka. Thank you. <laughs> so before I do your whole bio that I've taken off um, of LinkedIn, um, how do you introduce yourself? What do you say when you meet new people? It's interesting. When I meet new people, I tend to ask questions about that person rather than introduce myself. Um, and I don't know if that's the right way to do things, but I tend to actually to be more inquisitive about the other person upon introduction. But having said that, um, people don't really want to know too much at the intro. Um, but if I said anything about business, it's that I've owned multiple businesses and uh, currently have a, um, a business consulting firm that specialises in BAS agent services and systems for compliance and getting businesses back on track. Cool. Well, before I go into your bio, because it's a lot more in-depth than what you just mentioned, um, do you realise that while preparing for our chat today, we know each other for almost 10 years? Because the very first email that I could find from you was in September 2013. Wow. And it was you inviting me to your circle on Google+. Google Plus. I'll remember the Google Plus. Next big thing that wasn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it um, goes to show that you just have to try multiple things and stick with the one that, that works. And the reason why I mentioned that before your bio is you've done a lot of things. You have done a lot of um, variations of things. Um, you've been in the um, food industry um, for pretty much over 25 years. Um, and like you said earlier, you've founded a couple of businesses. They're actually multi-million dollar businesses. So don't be too humble. You've done some amazing things with your, with your companies. Um, and currently you're running two businesses that offer bookkeeping, bookkeeping services, taxation services, and really helping businesses to, from the ground up, foundational, build good systems and structures to, um, to future-proof their business, I suppose. So that's where the compliance connection comes in. Is that a, is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, 100%. Um, my favourite clients actually are the ones that come to me in distress, I've had uh, clients approach me in tears because they can't get a P&L out of their business. I've been there. I know what that feels like. And that's what drives me in what I do now. So the Baz Agent Service was a, was a career change for me because I come from a business owner's head, not uh, a tax practitioner's head. Yeah. Even though I'm certified with the Tax Practitioners Board now and all those things that are required, uh, I understand what it's like to be a business owner that's in chaos, but how good it feels when that's calmed down and things start to flow. And yeah. we'll, we'll strip out a, a, a client's um, accounting files, whether it be my or zero or what have you, strip it out, rebuild it, teach them document workflows, plug in software that they need suitable to their business. And it also brings automatically or bring in compliance because then the, the, the procedures that we follow over and above that maintains that compliance for the business owner and they can rest a little bit easier. And it's just, uh, 
it's wonderful. I've got clients on the other side of the country who have been with me for a number of years now and I've just watched their business flourish because they're getting real-time data that makes a world of difference and yeah. uh, they, they don't feel like they're constantly hiding from the risk of non-compliance. Yeah, excellent. So you mentioned that you entered into this bookkeeping field from an entrepreneurial and a, and a businesswoman's point of view. So let's take a couple of steps back. Like your entrepreneurial journey, how did that start and, and why did you start your business? Oh, which one? <laughs> well, uh, Okay, I guess a lot of the credibility also comes with my husband. We've been partners in everything since we were teenagers. So the progression for our, us both starting our own businesses always seemed like a natural thing to do. Um, I guess the, the trigger for our initial businesses was we sort of always came from the same place, which was we could provide a better solution than others could. And, and I, think, I think most entrepreneurs, they want to find a better way whether it be be a better um, version of themselves or provide a better service to a client or a better system or a better solution. And, and that was how it was formed based on that's what we were seeking and then away we went. Yeah. And, and look, did we, we started um, business back in our early 20s and we had no clue, Ivanka. We didn't have business mentors. We just fumbled our way through. Um, we hired people, stuff got done and... It was, there were successes, but there was also failures. Like we've had massive failures and massive wins. We've changed business models and we've started new businesses. So, you know, you can't, can't sort of go into the depth in this sort of format of 25 years or 30 years of, of business, but we can certainly um, stress some key things that have made a significant difference where I found that we found our feet much faster. Yeah. So what, what are some of those lessons? I mean, the first thing that pops up for me is you've been running businesses with your husband for over 25 years. I'm sure there's a life lesson in there. Ah, well, we had, we, had different, um, we had different roles in the business. Interestingly enough, we didn't have formal structure about what we were doing in the business or necessarily, but there was this kind of like unwritten rule that we, we're married and we're, we're looking for the same thing, which is financial gain to raise our family and build ourselves a, a future for retirement. So I guess that was our overarching focus on where we were headed. And we weren't, we weren't educated enough back then to have the knowledge of business plans and how they were pulled together. We've learnt that over time through joining industry organisations, um, networking with industry leaders, just reading books. Like we were just hungry for knowledge. Mm. And that as we would bring that knowledge into our business and then learn about systems that would make it easier, that's when we found we could start to get traction and it started to make a difference. So it was, it was just um, gathering knowledge is, the, is, a, is a really big thing. Um, and I guess the common goal is what gets you up in the morning because business can get hard. It can get really exciting. You can get adrenaline. It can get really fast and awesome. But there's times there when it gets really hard. Like we survived through the GFC and we had to make some critical decisions during that time. We survived through COVID. Um, but it was hard. Uh, and I don't, I, don't, I don't make smoke and mirrors about it. No. We had, um, and failure doesn't mean failure. Right, so... There's times when I felt like we or I was a failure. Um, actually, I'll go back to the, the, 
the roles of husband and wife in business and we didn't plan our roles but it just went that way so my husband's a, a technician kind of person he's very skilled at what he would do and part of the process that we would sell I'm a very um systems methodical kind of person so I built the systems and the back-end compliance of the business and dealt with the HR and onshore and offshore teams and um and what did the internal systems of the business look like and how did they flow? So that was my role in the business and that's why I focused on it. And that's, I guess, why I'm so passionate about that side of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you keep coming back to, to systems and, and systematizing and, and the, the structure of business. But one of the things that really um, struck me in, in what you mentioned earlier is the common goal. You, you and your husband had a common goal, uh, but I also know you as a very passionate person about the culture of your business and building your team. So what is your secret to success of building that common goal and that clarity for your teams? Interesting. There's businesses that will surely do that much better than us, but I found we always had good culture. Um, we didn't have high turnover employees. The biggest our, our teams ever got to in one business, we had 52 employees, uh, and then our most recent business, we the highest we ever got for employees was um, about 25, and it's ebbed and flowed around up and down from that number. So by comparison to bigger business, it's not a, it's not a big number of people. But I did find that as people would on, come into the business that they would definitely need to imprint on our culture. And the only way I knew how that, that seemed to set the tone from the start was I had really good onboarding processes and it was almost a joke in the business. Oh, my God, you have one day with Chris when you kind of in the first week. Be prepared to have coffee and stay awake because she notices when you yawn. <laughs> 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 and, and I did. I drilled. I would get their employment contracts and we would read through each paragraph so they understood them and I could answer any questions. No question was off the table, and I, I built that open communication process into the business um, but open communication was over the layers of here's our policies and procedures and here's our core values and we would have conversations around core values we would have conversations around policies and procedures but they weren't your typical corporate kind of conversations it was about the person first and the procedure yeah. second if that makes sense yeah because the procedures and the, the the policies are there to um, have a, a, a compliant business because that's what government says we have to do. Yeah. But sometimes they weren't always the decisions that suited that person. You know, we, we've had, an, had employees, we've had births, deaths, marriages, cancers, everything you can imagine um, come through people and yeah. how you deal with that. And sometimes you just have to look at the person and say what's best for that person right now and as a business can we support that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you can you can do that and sometimes you can't. Yeah. And then and then over the years, because holding on to that culture, holding on to the person over your policies and procedures. So employee first, um, structure almost second, but very important. Um, yeah. what what changes have you witnessed over the years in managing teams and and 
building the businesses throughout decades? Like what has, what trends have you witnessed? Everybody looks younger. (laughs) (laughs) Much younger. (laughs) Um, People are still people and I still hold on to that belief. Um, But the biggest impact I've seen is the internet and it's not just from a marketing point of view, but it's its effect on the movement of money. So things, systems have had to actually step up and move faster because with, um, with food strategy, the business that we used to own, if it was moving uh, catering equipment or we had to move to the next stage on a, a design and compliance project, we would, ha- we would have out-of-back markers where we can't move forward on the project because the client may owe us some money. In the old days, they'd have to write a cheque, post it, we'd get it, we'd clear it, and that could be a 10-day process. But now with OSCO in the system, the banking systems, it's transfer the money now, boom, it's on my phone, yes, we're good to go, get in and get that job done. Yeah. So it just speeds up the time timeframes of everything, and that's the internet. And yeah. back 25, 30 years ago in business, we didn't have that. Everything no. was paper-driven. So that's a very significant change. I know it's taken for granted now. Um, probably also the digital footprint of particularly for compliance, it sticks forever. Thank God that stuff wasn't around when I was in my teens. <laughs> like it's, but the digital footprint will just, it, it just doesn't go away. You can't hide from a non-compliance issue. So if, it's, if you've been naughty with payroll, you've had tax avoidance um, or there's an industry defect and it's non-compliant, like mm-hmm. workplace health and safety, something like that, there'll be a record of it kept somewhere and yeah. it doesn't just disappear on a box of archives. No. Um, I actually get uh, emails from Fair Work and I, I can't remember if they come weekly or what have you, and it's a database that announces the, the actual names of the business owners and their business names um, and what they're being fined for and taken to court for for non-compliance, mm-hmm. all yeah. non-compliance issues. And these are publicly emailed out. Anyone mm. can get on that database and get these email updates. Yeah. And it's it's puts a spotlight on people's personal names yeah. and sometimes their addresses. And it's a bit scary. And that's mm. non-compliance because they yeah. didn't have the systems in place. So do you feel that as a business owner or as a, as a CEO of a business, compliance has become much more in the forefront of your daily th- thinking your daily tasks than it was mm-hmm. 10 maybe even five years ago 100 percent. and how has that Tenfold. changed your activities and how has that changed your uh your focus my focus is on documenting everything and having a sequence that it follows mm-hmm. um i use project even in the baz agent accounting business for numbers australia and restaurant bookkeepers Uh, I use project management software because I see each client as a project with repeating tasks that occur on a um, daily, monthly and quarterly basis. Uh, Some are weekly and fortnightly as well. And we have, um, I have an audit trail of how we've been working with that. And that's part of my compliance to demonstrate that I'm delivering on what my client is paying me to do. Yeah. It It also means if there's ATO audits and things like that. I have work papers and documentation to prove um, to prove that that journey has been followed, and it's mm. really important. Yeah. So, how do you keep 
on top of all those changing compliance rules? How do you, how do you know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So what is your, what is your strategy for staying on top of all that? I am connected to a number of industry associations. So the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers, the Australian Bookkeeping Association. Um, I'm a member of Entrepreneurs' Organisation. Um, the, um, I'm also looking at a payroll association membership shortly. Just the information that comes from them, the workshops, the, um, the data that gets released to me prior to it being public knowledge helps me to get ready and prepare my systems and, and things that I'm going to implement, even just director's IDs. There's so many business owners don't know that they now have to have a, a director's identification number known mm. as a DIN number. And I've already, all my clients are already up to speed on that and they've all been yep. uh, notified. So industry knowledge and maintaining your professional, um, your professional knowledge is vitally important for most businesses. I don't, there's yep. not many that it's not. Yeah. So it, it's really staying connected with the industry and staying connected with what's, what's going on around you. So oh, not, sure. not just sitting in your office and, and focusing mm. internally on your business only, but really reaching out and, and connecting outside. There's only so many Zoom calls you can do. And, it's, <laughs> and when you get out in person, um, God bless COVID, but when you can get out in person and connect with, with people that are, that are like-minded, either from a business ownership or management point of view, or they're like-minded because they're in your industry, it's amazing what information falls out of trees. Just mm. that side comment that you hear and you think, I didn't know that. I have to mm. investigate that further. Or you can actually take that conversation deeper with that person and then you're walking away with the gift of that knowledge where you can make a better business. Yeah, yeah. You don't underestimate that. Yeah. So it, it really comes down to connecting with, uh, with people, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's, it, it comes back to what we were saying earlier, which is people... I think my camera is starting to have a slide. You'll be looking at my toes shortly. Excuse me for one sec. I do need to invest in better. Yeah. It's probably not much better, but I'm here. You can, you can yeah, see me. Exactly. We can, <laughs> we can see you. So you, you just mentioned earlier um, the food services business that you used to have. So you just exited from that business. Um, mm -hmm. Compliance yes. between running a business, so compliance for running your business versus compliance for preparing to exit. How does that differ? Or it doesn't. It's amazing. So we own food strategy for 25 years. I, I pretty much took myself out of the business about five years ago to focus uh, full-time on building restaurant bookkeepers and Numbers Australia. Food strategy's uh, business was focused on getting commercial kitchens open for business, no matter where they are. And it did um, design and compliance and plans, project management, well, contract management um, and procurement of commercial catering equipment. So it, it was, it, it was a, a business that had a number of spinning plates, pardon the pun, um, and the compliance was dead set important. And I've really already forgotten the question because I'm now going off whoop, into a tangent. <laughs> So compliance in running a business, it's basically looking looking back, like you had to or had to, you prepared your business for sale. So there were 
compliance steps to go through and um, uh, documents and evidence you had to yeah. provide in order to be fully prepared to sell. Like looking back, um, if only you would have done that level of compliance earlier in the piece or during the actively managing the business, would that have made a difference? Like is And, and you said there's basically there shouldn't be a difference between compliance for sale and compliance for ongoing management of the business mm. but we both know that there is <laughs> so if you if you would have done then what you know now how would that have made a difference to your to your business to your team to your um, um, success either financially or in growth or what what, what would have changed I would have always uh... The compliance side of things was always there because that's part of the solution that we were selling, which was um, compliance with building codes and Australian standards so that commercial kitchens could get open for business and yeah. remove that risk for them. So that was always there. The, the systems and structure would have been great to implement earlier, but it was a little bit more difficult going back 15, 20 years ago because the rapid change in software now means that, that you can actually access systems and structure that are built for you and you just plug that into your business and you plug in the bits that you need. You can step through that yeah. in much faster way and the integration of your employees becomes a much faster process as well. Yeah. So we're in a really good world right now and there's, there's opportunities there to get this done right and get it done fast. Yeah. When you're selling the business, a buyer's, my understanding of a buyer, um, well, I've looked at buying businesses. I've never really actually bought one. So my research on what does a buyer look for is they, want to, they don't want to buy problems. They mm. want to buy a business that is ready to go, plug and play. Like a, a buyer can come from many different angles. They could be strategic where they don't care whether the business is profitable or not. They just want your people and your systems. And that's perfectly great too because that's certainly value. Um, they could want um, a part of your business and they might break it down and then use it in various other places. Or they might just want to buy it because they want to be in it to run it themselves, which means they need the systems in place and ready to go. Mm. Our systems were already there, our financial systems, our, our financial templates, our document flows, um, our project management software, everything was already there ready to go. And the, the buyer has actually given me feedback that that's been an amazing win from his point of view because yeah. he was able to take those systems and actually implement them into his other businesses as well to bring mm -hmm. them up to standard. Yeah. So don't underestimate what having a, a clean flow business can do when you do need to exit or you want to yeah. exit. Yeah. So, but, so basically what you're saying is setting up systems, setting up um, your policies and procedures, setting up all your, all your tick lists around compliance, once you have that set up for one business, you can then use that across to your next business or if you have multiple businesses it's 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 not a one-size-fits-all but it is it is very clearly um transferable to different organizations is that what you're saying oh yes and and it's for what i've learned from the first business and 
building those systems, I've brought that into Numbers Australia and Restaurant Bookkeepers. Mm. While the tasks are different, the end result is the same. Yeah. Which yeah. is we need to get things done in a compliant, methodical, trackable process. Yeah. And that's so what let, I've implemented. So let's business. talk about your other bit because I've done some internet stalking and I know <laughs> that you are a person that is always, always looking for opportunities. So I had to giggle when I saw this. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> Bad <laughs> press is good press, right? <laughs> What I really loved about that was that in the interview, you talked about their marketing strategy and the opportunities. Let's <laughs> be clear. I was not the stripper. <laughs> no, you were not the stripper. This was the, the Uber driver had a, a, a cross-marketing opportunity with a stripper business yes. that she would or they would advertise on the uber car because the uber car goes everywhere so it was great advertisement for their business you just accidentally happened to be in that car when you were on your way to a party but Fine, what a uber <laughs> that showed up <laughs> my husband was so excited he couldn't jump in the car quick enough <laughs> no but it goes to show what you said earlier like the the, the internet like once something happens it never goes away because this was in 2000 and long ago um but the, the the thing that I picked up from that is that you're always looking for opportunities. You're always seeing the business behind an activity. You see the business idea behind the news or whatever whatever is around you. So that made me think of what made you start Numbers Australia and, and Restaurant Bookkeepers because you were running a commercial kitchen design you did the architecture, you did the design, you did the oh, compliance, you did the building. No, you, not you personally, but as, as a business, yeah. you guys did everything to set up commercial kitchens. Then 20 years in, so this was five years before you actually sold restaurant bookkeepers. So 20 so years before in. Before we you, sold food strategy, yep. Yeah, you, you changed your career to Numbers Australia and restaurant bookkeepers yes the restaurant is sort of like a giveaway that there's a transfer mm. but what was the opportunity that you saw how how did you make that jump from one business to the other it's funny when you get a fire in your belly isn't it and it, you know something eats at you and eats at you until mm. you get a trigger to actually action that um i had look to not be disrespectful to the industry that i now work in I had many, many years of dealing with BAS agent bookkeepers and accountants that um, their work was sloppy. I, I was correcting it. I would challenge them on the detail. Um, I felt like the financial data that we were getting was old. So to them it was okay to just deliver information once a quarter. I needed like hot data fast. We were growing and I was happy if it was a week old. Hmm. You can't you can't make business decisions based on information from last year or last quarter, and I complained about it. There was lots of other things that went on from those service providers that got us into a hot mess, and I was complaining to some 
uh, EO members actually, and as they do in an entrepreneur's organisation, they challenge you, well, okay, you've been whinging about it for a long time now, why don't you do something about it? Oh, and I just felt like I'd been shoved sideways and I needed to be more accountable for where does this problem sit? So I got to thinking, I think I can do this better. And I guess that ties into where we started the conversation is we get motivated to do something because we think we can do a better job. Mm. And that started the very long journey of formal study and um, um, and registration processes with Tax Practitioners Board. And it is quite a long journey, but I yeah. found it really easy because I'd already been many years in the business journey and I knew what financials needed to look like. I knew how systems worked. I knew, I just knew... Um, I just knew what a business needed. I just needed to plug in the formal component to bring that to life. Yeah. And I actually don't even remember how my first client came to me, but um, built a website and away I go. And it, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't, I didn't use referrals from our existing client base. I didn't want, want to muddy the waters from our mm. existing food strategy clients to what I do now because it's, it's the business side of this world that actually yeah. gets me excited. Um, debits and credits are critical to the success of the data, but it's bloody boring, really. Mm. I actually like working with the business owners and understanding their pain and, well, all right, well, what can we do together to make it a better way? Yeah. And that was the trigger, and it's just grown from there, and it's now my full-time gig, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Yeah, and because you've been through it, you have a personal experience to share. You have a personal story to share, so you understand mm. where they're coming from. But it was a big change for you. I mean, you just glanced over it, but you had to completely reinvent yourself because you're not just, mm. and it's never just, just, but you're not only the founder and owner of the business, but you had to go through all the certification and becoming a certified bookkeeper and, and, you know, being a certified zero partner, which is a, a bookkeeping tool. Um, so you had to do that on a personal level while running the other business. Yep. Uh, at night time. And um, my four kids have now up and left home. But at the time, I still had a couple at home. And uh, hubby was getting a little bit, I think he's, he was getting a bit uh, jealous because I was spending hours at nighttime studying and doing assignments and, and various things like that. But I just wanted to do it. I really mm. wanted to get to the next level. And um, I, I pushed myself harder to also get the highest level of accreditation with the industry associations. I didn't want to be just a member. I wanted to be a member and a certified member in practice. There's, um, and there's still more that I want to take on at that level. But uh, I just got to find the time. (laughs) But it goes to show that if you create systems and structure in your business, you can take yourself out to do that. You can take yourself out to be part of membership groups, to be part of industry groups, to do personal and professional development um, because the structures and the systems will look after the business it will look not after itself but it you you still need to keep your finger on the pulse but you don't have to work in the business all day every day no I it's interesting because I like to maintain that uh, connection with all the clients and be involved in their businesses so I I know in detail the zero file of every one of my clients or my file whatever they're working in um 
But I do have a team of accountants that work for me now and they do the heavy lifting, the grunt work, and then I'm over the top. I'm kind of like the, the compliance officer with the big stick. Yeah. And I use everything that I find that's not quite right or could be done better as a training opportunity. So even in, I use Asana for our, our project management of clients and I have what's in there is called a training room. And that room is when we do training sessions. So we record mm. blocks of time and what the topic is and, and each person has their own training record. So it's okay to be a member of all these associations and get this training, but you need to pass it down to your team or mm. you, will be, you will be the block. Yeah. 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 And, and that is a system and process in itself, just keeping yeah. a history on who's been learning what so that we can appraise that at, at yeah. HR reviews. Yeah. So you keep mentioning compliance and you're the compliance officer and you're over the top doing compliance. When I talk to other people about compliance, they usually roll their eyes in the back of their head and, you know, you get this sigh and go like, oh, paperwork. You know, compliance is what stops the business. Compliance is what really makes processes and procedures grow really slowly and it just stops what we want to do. It stops innovation. It stops progress. It's compliance is just one of those things. But you get really excited when you talk about it. So uh, not to a point, like the highest level is, um, okay, so you know me and, and I know you. It's you, you chop and change and you're like the swift boat that likes to turn corners and um, try different things and just find a better way. But compliance, when you look at a government level, we live in a country, so you've got your overarching compliance of just how you live day to day, which mm. then filters down into your business and taxes and everything else. So you can't avoid that. People try and have been for centuries and will continue to do so. Um, but there's the consequences that come with that. And with the introduction of the next level of single-touch payroll, which is called SDP2, I don't even know why I'm going down this tangent, but I can't help myself. Um, <laughs> STP2 means that for every payroll that you run every week or fortnight, that will now send information to the ATO, Services Australia, formerly known as Centrelink, and all of those departments will now have visibility on every payslip. So your compliance has never been more exposed than it is mm. right now. So yeah. you try to avoid it. You're just creating headaches for yourself. So go with it. Get it systemised and just make your life a lot more yeah. peaceful and go and sell stuff because yeah. that's what your business is there to do is sell stuff. Yeah. And whether it's a service or a product is irrelevant. The game's the same. Yeah. So just focus on what you're supposed to be doing and don't, don't try to play the system. No, but systems can change, right? So mm -hmm. you can build a system at the beginning of your business, but as your business grows and morphs into uh, various areas or people mm -hmm. or, or um, size, you're going to need to change your system. Yeah. So being fluid in a system means that your business will have heart and it will continue to meet its market and it will continue to sell stuff. Yeah. So don't avoid compliance or systems. Get them and use them to your advantage so yeah. you can grow your business with some, with some clarity. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that you use the word clarity because that, that's my main passion for um, working around compliance and helping organizations with compliance because for me being strict on compliance helps create clarity asking questions helps create clarity because so many times and you know like you said like we've known each other for almost 10 years now but we've both been in business for over 20 years 
over the years, um, there's just so many things that happen that you 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 forget, and it it, it muddles the water, and and um, people don't ask the right questions because you see that people make decisions based on assumptions. People make decisions based on what they think is the right thing to do, rather than asking the questions and having that clarity and making a, a strategic well-informed decision yeah decisions based on common sense isn't really that common is it <laughs> no no not at all <laughs> so when you talk to your client because you say you want to have access to every client and just really know what's going on mm. what is the number one most important question you ask your client uh at what stage of the process at the beginning at the beginning I ask them about why do they think they need me and what is their pain point? Like what's caused them to feel they need me to come in and, and help them with their business? And I usually find it's because they're in chaos. Hmm. It's, the, it's the number one thing that comes through with um, clients that are referred to me by accountants or they just find me via a, a digital access Um I ask them about their business and tell and can you tell me why do you feel you need some you know Baz agent or business services at this point in time? Yeah. And it's I can't understand payroll. Too much has changed in with compliance for payroll. I can't get it right. Uh, my accountant won't do my end of year tax return because it's in such a mess. I've my desk is full of papers and I don't know how to like what am I supposed to do with all this? I just can't keep on top of it. Hmm. And eventually, once they understand that resistance to change is not good, they do need to change, and we put those processes in place, they calm down, it starts to flow, and they can see how logically they can put their head elsewhere in the business because this will just be there for them and yeah. continue to roll. So, yeah, that's probably the, the key thing is the chaos, and I need to identify which part of the chaos we need to fix first. Yeah. Yeah, so to really laser focus on step one before we move on to step two or three. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So what would you say is the most common issue around financial compliance in business? Because you, you mainly work with small to medium-sized businesses. So yeah. what, what would be the most common financial compliance issue you run into? Um, payroll. Payroll is the, the first thing we put a spotlight on because we know it's a hot problem for most people with compliance in their businesses. They don't understand the awards. The legislation has been rocking and rolling and changing um, dramatically for mm -hmm. the last three to four years. Uh, and what really put a spotlight on that actually was JobKeeper because a lot of the JobKeeper, um, the, a lot of the JobKeeper accessibility actually relied on the data that was compliant so now I'm getting updates from fair work from people around the country because it's that dirty list that I get to see mm. that talks about people who weren't compliant and still claim JobKeeper mm. so because they didn't have their um, bleep together uh, they claimed JobKeeper thought they got it right, didn't understand the compliance or the payroll compliance that had to go along with the reporting of JobKeeper. And now they're getting the fines, they've had to pay back JobKeeper and it's, yeah. it's pretty messy for those people. Yeah. So you can't predict what the future is. Who predicted this pandemic? And mm. those people that, like my clients, JobKeeper was a breeze. 
yeah. I was able to actually, as we were talking about before, um, do a lot of industry training to get very clear on the JobKeeper requirements and the legislation around that. And I was able to help some some clients that didn't think they were entitled to JobKeeper, but once we ran the compliance tools and provided evidence and back-checked their data, we were actually able to tick the boxes and say, yes, yeah. you do get JobKeeper under this, this part of the regime. Yeah. And they it, it actually kept their business on the map. They didn't close down because of that. So that's somewhere where you don't expect it. Having your ducks in a row can really make a difference yeah. for you to be able to tick a box and move forward fast. Yeah, yeah. That must feel really good, though, that you really I were did. able to make a difference to your clients. Yeah. It wasn't my money, but it actually felt like it was my money because <laughs> just the joy and relief, mm. the camera, just the joy and relief for those people, those business owners, was magical. Like, yeah. as humans, we just like to, we like to help other people um, be a better version of themselves or to enjoy their lives or be a success and you can ride the coattails of that and get a lot of satisfaction as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. So to wrap it up, what advice or recommendation would you give to business owners? And it doesn't even have to be new business owners, but because you mentioned a lot that every time you talk to new clients, there's chaos, there's stress, there's overwhelm, there's so much to keep uh, ahead of and so much to understand as a, as a business owner. So what advice from your experience and what you're seeing in your Numbers Australia business, what's the advice you would like to give? The, I actually do say this to some clients when I first take them on is, okay, well, where do you want to exit your business? So start as you mean to finish. What does is, what is the end of this business look like for you? And let's work back from there. So think of the exit, work back from there, build it backwards, and you'll save your sanity. Mm. So, um, and, I, and I also coach them around compliance systems will set you and your team free um, because they usually get themselves in the first quarter of their new business, they don't really account for GST or super. Mm. And before you know it, they've got a debt hanging over their head and they struggle with that and that becomes their first burden mm. that they have to carry through their new business. So look at the end game. What does your business look like to sell it? And now let's work back and make it look appealing for a buyer as best as we can from day one. And if you start those systems from day one with your team as well, uh, that's, that becomes part of building your culture because that's just how we do things around here. It's yep. not telling you to be rigid or or um, or trying to control you. It's just, well, this is just how we do it. Yeah. It's not about you. It's just this is how we do it. Yeah. And we can all still be humans and have our own personalities and fun within the organisation. But meanwhile, the systems are running in the background. Yeah, yeah. And it all comes back to where, where we started earlier this morning is, you know, have that common goal. So everybody who works with you in the business understands why you have the business, what the business is trying to achieve and what the end game is. So there's no there's no surprises. So clarity again of, you know, everybody knows what they're in for. Yeah, I don't hire people and say to them, guess what, I'm selling this business one no, day. No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is um, uh, when I... Over the years when I've hired people, I've had, had big induction processes and uh, I, looking back, I would not change any of that. Mm. So, yeah, just, just bringing your people in and understanding that 
it's it's okay to follow a process, but it's okay to think for yourself as well and bring to attention when a process isn't working because you want your people to tell you if a process isn't working Yeah. because you need the opportunity to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's clear communication. And, again, that word clarity is just as important. Yeah, yeah, cool. Anything you would like to ask or say or add or before we wrap it up? I feel like I've talked too much <laughs> actually already. <laughs> well, you're the show. <laughs> I've, I've tried to put a lid on it because I thought, ah, oh, and I'd I would go down to this story and that story, but no, I have to I have to behave. Yeah. So no, you don't have to behave. It's just beautiful that you can share from experience and you know, you have so many stories and you have so much experience. So thank you so much for your for your time today. It's it's been really, really interesting. Like I've oh. I've I've taken notes. Oh, so many to go stories. back to my business and uh, and double check. And I'll around. tell you the, the story about the uh, time when our kids had to drink powdered milk. There's a story for you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not always about money and success. <laughs> no, no, we all go through ups and downs, and there's you know we've all gone through some really really challenging and tough times. But um, you have that common goal with your husband and your team, and you've had that clarity of we have a way to do things better. So it's, 100%, um, and I'm always searching for that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. So always if people want to get in touch with you, um, Numbers Australia is your main business at the moment, but you also have restaurant bookkeepers online. And, of course, um, people can get in touch with you via your LinkedIn profile. For sure. For Perfect. sure. And um, that also includes if they want to talk to you about your membership at um, the Bookkeepers Association or uh, Entrepreneurs Organization or even your voluntary work that you've, uh, you've been doing on the side that we didn't even talk about today. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm awesome. here. You know where to find me. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you for putting up with my bits <laughs> and my sliding <laughs> camera. Have oh. a great day, Ivanka. Thank Much you. Much love, you everybody. Too.